Welcome, guys. Great to see you. If we haven't met yet, my name is Dan, and uh, my wife Hannah and I get the honour of leading this church. So good to have you all here a week before Easter. Can you believe it? The year's going very fast. Wow. I love this time of year. Easter is absolutely my favourite time of year because uh, the, the, the thought, I was writing about it a bit in our email newsletter, the thought that if we're really honest, we can all sense and feel uh, how much more attack and, and persecution and pressure there is right now in this culture for us to be Christians. Where You just say you're a Christian, automatically a lot of people are against you and assuming a lot of things about you. However, no matter how much the, the marketing teams try to make this weekend about chocolate, people stop and celebrate a day called Good Friday. And everyone's like, yeah, yeah, it's Good Friday, I'm not going to work, it's Good Friday, it's Good Friday, oh yeah, I'll see you on Good Friday. And then you think, what, what's good about it? And if you're not a Christian, at best, at best, the, the explanation is, oh, 2,000 years ago, a Jewish guy was brutally murdered. <laughs> the intrigue in that moment, like, why would you call it good then? And our response is, we can't wait to tell you. We'd love to invite you 5 p.m. Friday night. Come along. Our band has some new incredible worship songs prepared. We're going to do a deep dive into the moment of the cross, but also the reason for the cross. And we're going to look at both the beauty and uh, weight of that moment and everything Jesus did for us. So come along. We're going to finish with free soup and sourdough in the cafe as kind of a communion moment to stop and reflect on everything Jesus did for us on the cross. And then Sunday is coming. Sunday, as Denzel said, we've got Easter egg hunts, jumping castles. Please hear me, Christians. This is such a great opportunity to invite your neighbours and friends and people you've been praying for and work colleagues and bring them along. Uh, we want to talk about how God is good in life on Sunday morning. So I cannot wait to celebrate with you. It's my favourite weekend of the year. Hey, we're finishing uh, today a two-month preaching series on helping others see Jesus. Helping others see Jesus. And something I've been saying every week is that word see that we've been looking at, especially in the Gospel of John, its, it's Greek word is ido. And it literally means to know or to perceive, to understand something. Because I don't know if our culture right now needs help just seeing crosses and just seeing churches on the corners of buildings and suburbs and just seeing that Easter is about Jesus. I think it takes Christians who believe in the power of prayer and the power of the gospel to believe for our non-Christian brothers and sisters, neighbours, work colleagues, to come to a point where they understand Jesus and the cross. That is the heart of what we're trying to say right now. That is the heart of what we're believing for as a church. Amen? That our friends would actually know Jesus Christ. And they would too join with Paul in Philippians 3.8. When they get that, when they understand that, they'll say, oh, everything else is rubbish compared to the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord and Savior. That is salvation. And that's what we're believing for. 
So we've been looking for the, at the last two months, we've been looking at um, Zacchaeus. For a few weeks, we've looked at that incredible story of helping people get above the crowd, helping people to see Jesus. But in that moment, Jesus sees them and they, they realize they've always been known. They hear their name called by a savior. They joyfully accept Jesus and then they willingly let go of idols because they've found something greater. And now we've been looking at John 4, the Samaritan woman. And something we've been exploring is, is these different eyes, these different looks, these different moments here. And, and Jesus said, if only you knew who was in front of you, that's Ido. If only you could see, you can see me, but if only you could actually see who's in front of you, you'd be asking me for water. What a powerful moment, amen. And that's Jesus's invitation to our non-Christian friends. If you can truly see what's going on here, salvation is on offer. And then we looked at uh, and preached wonderfully that message to the new believer. They came out and they said, oh, we, we're here because of her testimony. The whole crowd and village of Samaria came out. But then at the end, they said, now we know, now we know, not because of what you said, but because we ourselves have experienced him and we know he is the Messiah. That's the point to get to, amen? I think one, one of the most damaging things to the Christian church in Australia, more specifically, I believe the charismatic church in Australia, is that a lot of people fill our churches that know about Jesus. And I think that without talking and bagging out anyone or saying anyone did a bad job, but I think we need to be clear on our purpose. That's not a win. That's a stepping stone on the journey. And we need to be corporately praying and developing and on a journey towards, now I know because I've experienced him. I've been, I was in church my entire life. There was a long time I was a member of this church because my parents had a radical salvation encounter with Jesus Christ. That's not bad, but it's not the win. So we have to get to a point where then I remember I had to experience him because I was going to PBC High School with two and a half thousand students and about 10 Christians getting bagged out for not sleeping with everything with a pulse or going to parties. And I'm like, look, here's the thing. This is either real or it's not. So it's, it's real or it's not. I'm either in or I'm gone. So I had to push into God and in his grace, he was there waiting. He, he, he was looking and I experienced him. And then last week, we looked at Jesus' loving challenge slash rebuke to the disciples because they were looking down. They started putting Jesus in a box of who he could minister to and who he could not, how he could minister, how he could not. And he said, are you kidding me? Lift up your eyes and see that the fields are white. They're right, ready for the harvest and the joy of the people who are sent into the harvest. If you are here and you call yourself a disciple of Jesus Christ, we looked at how your nourishment and your joy exists in you being on mission with Jesus, looking out at other people that are ready for harvest. And today I want to finish it with something that I need to hear again and again and again. Today I want to finish it with what I would honestly say is the foundation to everything we do and teach. I think it's very aligned with what Denz was saying just before Today, I want to look at the joy we experience, why we give, why we serve, why we're at church. All of it is because of this statement that we see in Scripture. The Father is looking for those who will worship Him in spirit and truth. 
Everything we've looked at the last seven weeks, church, helping others see Jesus. Please hear me. If you don't hear anything else I say today, please hear this. Everything we've looked at, everything about us being on mission and us growing in revelation, all of that is an outcome. It's all fruit of some key source, and that is this, that your Father in heaven is looking for you first. It's not sitting back and waiting. That's not good news. Oh, God's, God's there. If you get your life in order, if you stop doing these sins and you start acting like a better Christian and you get to church every week, then God's ready. Then he'll accept you. That's not the gospel. The good news of today, the thing that warms my heart, the thing that I need to hear all the time is that God is active and he's looking for you and I. He's on the front foot. And we experience joy when he finds us. And we start to worship from our heart. Amen? Can we pray together? Uh, first, let's read this verse, sorry. And then we'll, we'll pray together after that. John chapter 4. I know we've kind of gone back and forth to this whole big chapter, but I just want to zoom into the middle. Sir, the woman said, you must be a prophet. So tell me, why is it that you Jews insist that Jerusalem is the only place of worship? While we Samaritans claim that it is here at Mount Gerizim. How would be pronounced? I don't even know. Just, just say it quickly and everyone will think you know it. <laughs> Where our ancestors worshipped. Jesus replied, believe me, dear woman, the time is coming when it will no longer matter whether you worship the Father on this mountain or in Jerusalem. You Samaritans know very little about the one you worship, while we Jews know all about him, for salvation comes through the Jews. The time is coming, indeed it's here now. When true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking. I love that. For those who will worship Him that way. For God is spirit. So those who worship Him must worship in spirit and in truth. I think that's it. Let's pray. Well, our Father in heaven. Holy is your name. God, we pray today your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it's done in heaven. Lord, we pray that you'd give us today our daily bread, provide our physical needs, but also give us fresh revelation from your word that only you can give. Lord, we recognize we can't earn revelation, but you give it freely. So we pray for that fresh bread today. I pray you forgive us of our sins the things we've worshipped above you, the things we've craved more than you, the, the ways we've stepped out of line from your word more than obeying you. God, forgive us of that. We thank you for your word. If we confess our sins, you are faithful and just to forgive us. First John 1, 9. So we thank you for that forgiveness, good God. We pray you'd help us forgive people that have sinned against us, either this week or in the past. Highlight someone, maybe years ago, we didn't even know we were still holding on to that offence and that hurt and that pain. But if you highlight it, Holy Spirit, we believe you highlight it with the ability to empower us to forgive that person. 
So anyone you're putting on our hearts now, I pray it can happen in a moment, but I pray we'd go on a journey with you to truly forgive that person and let them go. Lord, we thank you that you will not uh, lead us into temptation, but you'll deliver us from evil. And Lord, we truly pray that yours would be the kingdom and yours would be the power and yours would be the glory forever and ever and ever. Amen. It's a good God, amen. All right, let's get into it for time's sake. I almost wanted to break this up into three preachers, but here we go. The Father is looking. How beautiful is this word? A verse in Second Chronicles 16.9. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to him. Leave that there for a second. God is looking. The Father in heaven is looking. And when he finds a heart that is loyal to him, God wants to show himself strong. He wants to be there for you. He wants to come through as that provider and that healer, that blesser, that, that revealer. He wants to be your God. And he's looking. God is looking. This is the best news about the gospel, friends. That God in heaven is looking. He's looking. He's not waiting. He's not sitting anymore saying, wait till you give your offering. Wait till you, you go and do all of the cleansing ceremonies and the grain offering and the wave offering and you fulfill all these laws. It's not that. He's actively looking. We can preach on so much out of that. Everything in Christianity flows from that. But 100%, I need you to know, the reason we sit here today through faith, if you have faith that Jesus died on that cross for you because He loves you and wants to forgive you through faith, free, He paid the price. If you believe that, then you're a child of God. And you're a child of God because the Father was looking. How beautiful was Matt's testimony last week, man? Just that, that moment of being in church his whole life. If you missed it, uh, it's online on our YouTube. It's so powerful. Um, and just a great friend, a great member of our church who, who shared quite honestly the first 20, 25 years of his life in church, most weeks, serving a lot. And what he, all he felt at the end of that was a weight all he felt at the end of that was just the weight of religion. And in a moment of brokenness, when he went to give up, he literally said to God, I can't do it anymore. And in that moment, he found that God had always been looking. And God said, great, I've been waiting. Let go. And he said, in that moment, I'd been, I believed in Jesus. I'd followed Jesus. In that moment, I realized I'm a child of God, fully loved. That's the good news, friends. Our Father is looking. He's looking for you. Everything we do is because we rest in the arms of an active God who sought us. Thank you, God, that you came down to look. Thank you, God, that you were so active. Isn't that awesome? He's just looking, 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 looking. I, I love that uh, Morris, Leon Morris, 
said that, yeah, there's a little bit of debate over this, but by and large, the, the general consensus is that the translation of this is the Father is looking to make worshippers. I love it because the other people, some other people will debate that the Father is looking for those who can worship. Some people say that. Can you worship me the way I want to be worshipped? And by and large, most scholars are like, uh uh-uh, that's not it. That's not the accurate translation. The best translation is the Father is looking to make you someone who can worship in spirit and truth. Because it's His active work. He wants to bring freedom and healing and forgiveness and adoption and righteousness. Now you can worship. Thank you, God, for your active role in my salvation. I'm here because of you, not because I got my stuff together. I had to, um, just going to share my current interpretation that I, I, I um, had to really go into this space, if I'm honest, when some, some friends and people I journeyed with were, you know, not in church anymore. And it was a really tough, tough season for me. So this is plastered um, on my wall in front of my computer. I just have to look at it about people leaving church. But I looked at Luke 15. And I hope you can be open to this because I think, um, I think it's, it's okay. And I think the heart of God's in the middle of it. I found it interesting. I don't know if you've ever noticed. I found it interesting that in Luke 15, 1 to 7, 3 to 7, we read about the shepherd and the lost sheep, right? The sheep gets lost, goes out, and the shepherd leaves the 99 and actively becomes uncomfortable, becomes on a journey, goes literally walking, searching for the lost sheep until he finds it. And then he rejoices, puts it on his shoulders, rejoicing, brings it back, gets all the neighbours, rejoice with me, like beautiful Gospel story right there. Now we read about the lost coin, similar thing, like active. But then we read about the father, the prodigal son. And something that stood out to me was the same thing. The son left. The son left the house. He's like, give me my inheritance now. Literally saying, I can't wait till you die. I was looking forward to it, but you're a fighter and you just keep on keeping on somehow. It must be all those... Ginger spirulina shots in the morning. I'm not sure what's going on, but you won't die. And I want my cash now. You can, you can interpret, you can hear quite a rebellious spirit in the sun, right? Like not only do I not enjoy living with you, not only can I not wait till you die, I'm going now. Give me my money now. I'm out of here. And then he goes and the father stays. That always stood out to me. The father doesn't go searching. The father doesn't go begging. The father doesn't go out and throw him over the shoulders and rejoice with me, my son. He's kicking him. Let me go. I've got prostitutes and parties over here. Dad, get out of here. You're an idiot. Like, in that moment, the father lets him go and go for it. And when he squandered all his wealth, he became incredibly poor, famine broke out. Starts feeding the pigs. Says to myself, I'll go back to dad's house. There's more than enough in dad's house. But very powerful, very powerful. And as he turns around to come in repentance, from rebellion to repentance, once that shift happened, says he was still 
a long way off. And he, what, what do we see? The father saw him. And the father ran and the father embraced him and the father kissed and, and threw a feast and didn't, didn't need him to pay off debt. There was, there was nothing but grace. But the father didn't go looking for him while he was in rebellion. However, in both situations, what do we see? Crazy amounts of grace and crazy amounts of celebration when a sinner repents or is found. And I, I, I feel like when someone is in complete rebellion to God, get away from me, God's like, okay, okay, you want that space, it's yours. But at the same time, he's sitting there going, but I'm watching and I can't wait till you turn to me. And when you turn back, I'm not giving you, here's the debt you owe me. You took the inheritance. I'm not giving you, here's how you can pay it off. I'm rejoicing, I'm partying, I'm celebrating. It's going to be great. But I'm going to watch and I'm going to wait and I'm looking. I'm just going to sit here till you're ready for me. But both because the father was looking. I find it beautiful that even in rebellion, it, over here it's more of like a, a lostness, like an ignorance or not sure what's going on. So the God's like, I'm going after you. Shepherd goes after you. But over here when there's rebellion, he's like, well, I love you and I'm watching, but I'll wait. But in both situations, when people come back to repentance and grace is experienced and a party is thrown, it's fruit because the Father was seeking. This is exactly what Jesus said he came to do. When we looked at Zacchaeus in Luke 19 verse 10, Jesus came to seek and save that which was lost. We are all here because our Father in heaven was actively looking in some way, shape or form. And he's looking for people to worship. He's not looking for people to fill rosters. <laughs> he's not looking for people who can just give and then go about their week filled with idols and treating people horribly. He's looking for people who can worship. And that's not just Sunday morning for a couple of songs as you and I sing out of key and a beautiful band try and drown us out because we can't <laughs> sing that well, if we're really honest. True. I mean, if God was wanting worship that sounded good, a few of us should probably sit there quietly, myself included. <laughs> but that's not worship. Yeah. And God is looking for worshipers, though. Yeah. But that's not worship. What is worship? Isn't this beautiful? Can we get the second point up? The reason... Okay, so slight backstory. I don't mean to take too much time. One of the greatest examples of salvation, New Testament, I would argue, is largely based on the topic of salvation in Jesus Christ. One of the greatest examples in the Old Testament we see of that is the Israelites being set free from slavery in Egypt. In so many ways we could discuss, and we have discussed, we will do it again another time. But what was the purpose? Why did God want them free? <laughs> Go back to Pharaoh and announce to him, this is what the Lord says, let my people go so they can be incredibly rich in the promised land. No, so they can come and do all my dirty chores. No, so they can come out and cut skin off of a really tender place. No, no, no. So they can worship me. Like, the reason God wanted to do all the plagues and the river and the Red Sea and the 
was to create worshippers. Isn't that beautiful? And then they come on out a couple of weeks, maybe months later. Moses, Mount Sinai, Ten Commandments come down. What do we see in Exodus chapter 20? You must not have any other God but me. You must not make for yourself an idol of any kind or an image of anything in the heavens or on the earth or in the sea. You must not bow down to them or worship them. This is the first thing he says. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God who will not tolerate your affection for any other gods. All the freedom that God brought, all the miracles, everything, that the plagues and overcoming the greatest empire in the world at that time and, and setting the Israelites free through the Red Sea with gold and provision and all of it. What's the first thing he says? crave your worship and I won't tolerate you worshiping something else. That's pretty big. Out of everything he could have said first, he leads with worship. And when Jesus is talking about the days coming, fulfillments coming, and the Father is seeking and he's active, what's he talking about? What does he bring into that space? Worshippers. Isn't that beautiful? Tonight, worship night. Amen. I think so. George looked at me like, oh, you're leading, so I'm praying. <laughs> it's for you to be a worshipper. The goal of salvation, the first point of salvation is for you to be a worshipper. Why? Because I want you to serve rosters, but more importantly, our community, not out of religion, out of being a worshipper. I want you to be a generous person who gives. That's up to you and God. But if it's ever out of religion, we say this, if it's out of religion, if you've never experienced the grace of the cross, don't worry about giving. It's not the goal here. Every time, every cent we give, it's an overflow of worship. It's out of joy. Cheerfully give. Dan's was talking on this morning. Everything we do is on that word. Religion. Didn't put it up there. Look at this word for religion. I always get the Greek slightly wrong, so I'm just going to say it quickly. Because <coughs> I love it. You ready? Proskuneo. Margarete. Okay. Proskuneo. It's worship. It's... Poitza. Uh... <laughs> oh, yeah. That's Italian. Yeah. <laughs> Same thing, really. You know what? Jesus went up to the Mount of what? Olives, people. Come on now. Read it. Read it. In your own time. Here's why I wanted to bring out this word. Are you ready? This is the two, the two spaces this word is used in. This word for worship. Are we ready? Either to kiss the hand in affection or to fall upon the knees and touch the ground with your forehead as an expression of profound reverence. The two times... This word, not two times, two experiences, two situations, this word is used in is either intimacy or reverence. That is worship. Not like, okay, worship's at the end of the service. I think they go 10 minutes. Sometimes if they're feeling it, 12 minutes, I don't know, there's like quiet time. But after that, I can go and eat. Okay, cool. I'm just going to, that's the worship time. That's not worship. That's not worship. Worship's a hard issue. 
And it's about reverence and intimacy. Let's look at reverence. Look at this verse in Hebrews chapter 12. It's wild. Do you see what we've got? An unshakable kingdom. And do you see how thankful we must be? But here's where I get ready. Not only thankful, brimming with worship, deeply reverent before God. For God is not an indifferent bystander. He's actively cleaning house, torching all that needs to burn, and He won't quit until it's all cleansed. God Himself is fire. (sighs) Reverence. I pray that your relationship with God isn't only one or the other because both are quite damaging. If your relationship with God is only like, ah, oh, he's so cute, isn't he cute? Like, ah, oh, he's so wonderful. Like, he's just made everything and when he promised to not hurt us again, there's like a rainbow. It's just outstanding. I love it. Like, look at the, look at the waterfalls. He's just wonderful. Like, ah. Oh. You're probably not going to grow in Christ much. You've probably got a very stunted um, Gilmore Girls relationship with God. Sorry, that was the first thing I could think of. Uh, the notebook. Like, oh, God and I are going to die in a bed together reading a book. Like, okay, probably not. Like, okay. But then if your relationship with God is only like, oh, God, don't turn me into salt. I know that's Old Testament, but then at the same time, they didn't turn to the soul, but Ananias and Sapphira didn't give enough. It looks... Oh. I was like, that's not the interpretation of Acts 5. But they did die, and they were dragged out, and they were buried, and this is in the new covenant of a good God. What do I think about that? You can ask us later or do your own study. But here we see this headspace of if my worshipping God is only fear... That's not healthy because I don't think I can get too close. And I think I can do the wrong thing really easy. And if my worship of God is only, aw, pretty, I'm probably not fearing a God who should be feared. So here's the best way I can summarize it, and I just pray it makes sense to you. You should never be afraid of God while constantly fearing God. You should never be too afraid to throw your hands so high in the air, walk into, boldly into his presence saying, Father, I need you right now and I believe you want to help me. No matter what you've done, no matter how long it's been since you've prayed or read the Bible, nothing, get in there. And when you're in there, you're in the presence of a God who breathed the stars into being. You're in the presence of a God who is a jealous God that will not tolerate your heart worshipping something else. You're in the presence of a God, let's be clear, that his wrath has not been completely removed. That's not correct. His wrath was appeased in the cross of Christ, what Jesus did on the cross, for everyone who through faith comes underneath Jesus' work on the cross. That is what is meant by Romans 8.1. 
There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. But please, I beg you, don't forget there is still condemnation and wrath for those who reject and refuse Christ Jesus. John chapter 3. It's at the end. I might get the verse slightly wrong, 35 or something. There's this wild verse. Everyone who rejects Jesus, catch this, the wrath of God remains, not goes to, remains on them. Why? Because the wrath of God is coming against all humanity one day. And only those who are under Christ will be protected and are seen as righteous children. Why would you talk like this, Dan? That is why Philippians 2.12 says, Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Oh, God. <laughs> what? You did what for me? And I did nothing? What? I'm hell loved in you? What? What? This is crazy. You're amazing. I have no problem preaching regularly about how, how loved we are in God. But please don't hear that as there's not a day of judgment coming. And as I've said before, that drives my mission. Amen? Because it's real. I know it's not nice, but it's biblical. Thank you, Lord, for helping us to worship in both reverence and intimacy that as we throw up holy hands with nothing but joy there is also a very firm awareness that we only stand here because of your work your righteousness jesus not our own so we are so loved purely because you came to seek and save that which was lost thank you lord there's a, a story I bring up from time to time. I think it was 1994. John Bevere went to see Jim Baker. Jim Baker, famous televangelist of the 70s and 80s. Some of you guys probably watched him, listened to him. Um, fraud, blah, blah, blah. You can read about it. Stole money. Went to prison. Had an affair. All this kind of stuff. And John Bevere asked him, So, Jim, I have to ask you, when did you stop loving Jesus? It's the most profound moment to me. It's something I have to remind myself constantly. When did you stop loving Jesus? And Jim Baker's response is, I never stopped loving Jesus. I stopped fearing him. Isn't that profound? If you only rest in the love, which is great. If you're going to rest in one thing, because here's, okay, just a okay, quick side. This is, if you're going to read scripture, this is kind of seems ironic, right? Like, what is it? First John chapter 4, I think it's verse 18. Like, perfect love casts out all fear. So, Dan, there shouldn't be fear in God. That's what I'm trying to say by never be afraid of God. But live in that fear every day that a holy reverent, uncreated God is your Father for eternity. Whoa. That's the space we worship from. That's the space I want us to keep coming back to in worship. Amen? The Father is looking 
for those who will worship. How long have I got? Okay, 10 minutes, okay. In spirit and truth. Spirit and truth. I think I've got point three up there. Thanks, Michelle. I love this. Okay, so God is like, I want the real you. I want you. This is one of my favorite verses. My wife painted it for me. It's in my office. I love it. When you said, God, seek my face, my heart said to you, your face, Lord, do I seek. (sighs) Worship is such a heart issue in spirit and in truth. This, this woman tries to create a theological debate with Jesus. Did you notice that? All right, fine. You're going to challenge me about my sin, my five husbands, wild lifestyle. I'll challenge you. Oh, you guys say we only can worship in Jerusalem. But I was always told we can worship on that mountain. So, Mr. Prophet, which one is it? Tries to engage in this religious, head knowledge debate about theology. And Jesus does what Jesus does. It brings it back to a heart issue. It's like, doesn't matter. You're talking about the God of Jerusalem and that mountain. You're talking about the God who's everywhere. You're talking about the God who exists all throughout earth. It's not about that anymore. And he said, the time is coming, referring to what would happen at the cross. And now it's here because he's actually present where it doesn't matter where you'll worship. You just need to worship in spirit and truth, right? Why? Mark 15, did I put it up there? I can't remember. I put it in my notes. I'll give it to you because I'm forgetting the reference. And I do want to give you accurate references. Mark 15, 38. Jesus died on the cross. The veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. What the heck does that mean, Dan? I've only read that once. Okay. Really quick backstory. The Israelites got set free from Egypt as slaves. We just looked at that, right? It was to come out and worship. What they did in the wilderness was to create something called tabernacle. Tabernacle was God's house. Three different spaces. Pastor Chris, I need you to teach on this one. You do it so much better than me. I've still got a book called The Temple that you gave me. It's on my to-read list. All right, so... <laughs> <laughs> Three spaces, outer courtyard, inner courtyard, Holy of Holies. It's the one thing I want to touch on. Right in the middle. It's called the Holy of Holies. Only the high priest could enter that. Only to make sacrifices. That's where God's presence was. It's where the Ark of the Covenant was. We get into some, a lot more study, but that's a big picture what I wanted to highlight. That is where God's presence was for 1,500 years. That's it. That's where God lives. And the moment Jesus died on the cross, this is the beauty and power. This thick, I think it was like four inches thick or something, this this veil was ripped in two by the very glory of God. Getting out of religion, getting out of the confinements, getting out of limitations and going, I'm everywhere at once. Worship now isn't a space. So let's not recreate the temple of the Holy of Holies to be here. It wasn't his design. It wasn't his desire. You are a worshipper. It's who you are. It's not something you do. 
And when that penny drops, you will bring worship to your home and your kids and your workspace and your runs and serve. I'm out in the surf praising God. Monday serving with my wife, just praying and praising the goodness of God. Like, you're a worshiper. Because of the cross, the temple was torn. Now we worship in spirit. It's about here. And in truth. I'll finish with this. How do you worship in truth? Jesus is... Can we, go, can we say rebuke um, to the woman? It's quite a harsh one, really, because she's arguing about worship. Worship, 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 worship. Do we worship here? Do we worship there? And Jesus brings it back to, I would say, one of the main things. He says in verse 22, you Samaritans barely even know the one you say you worship. Did you catch that? You're talking about worship? You barely even know him. How can you worship something you don't know? That's his rebuke. I really want that to hit home. How could you worship something you don't know? Jesus says in John chapter 8, verse 32, when you get to know him, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. That's what he is. It's the truth. And it's about knowing him that we experience freedom and salvation. One more verse to bring verses in, just in case, because it's one of my favorite verses. I say that a lot, but it is. John chapter 17, Jesus prays the whole chapter. It's beautiful. In verse 3, he says, Lord, he's praying for the disciples. He's praying for you and I. And he says, this is eternal life that they would know you, the one true God and Jesus Christ who you sent. You want to know what eternal life is, where, where it's found? That they know you, they have a relationship with you. They know you, God, and Jesus Christ who you sent. Jesus' rebuke is you're worshipping something you don't know. And my goal is to help you know who you worship, that's truth. That for me is what worshiping in truth is actually about. Worshiping out of relationship. So I summarize it like this. Jesus wants you to worship the God you know from your heart. That is worshiping in spirit and truth. Because sometimes we come in, I'll just personalize it because no one else would ever do this, just me. Sometimes I come in, and I'm going through an awful season. And I'm like, thank you, Lord. Thank you, God, you're still good. Have a great day, bye. <laughs> if I'm honest. <laughs> and I don't know if that's the worship he's craving. <laughs> I think God has big enough shoulders to handle the crap you're going through. He just wants you to be real. God, what the heck are you doing here? Where were you here? And I'm not saying answers are going to come, but it's, that's how you worship in relationship. I've had an awful few weeks, thing after thing after thing. And it was kind of culminated this week. A friend of mine I did Bible college with, she pastored C3 Gamba, 39. Found out three months ago she had a small tumor near her spine. She just passed away. We had a funeral yesterday. She's got three little boys. 
Husband's up there. And you're like, Lord, what is that? What the heck is that? All right, I'll pretend it didn't even happen. They come on in. Flippin' Karma picks the song, You still do miracles. You will do what you said. I'm like, oh God. I've got two options here. I can either freaking lie and sing it, but not believe it. (laughs) Or I can get honest with you, God, and go, you do still do miracles. And you will do what you said. And I have to believe that being glorified into heaven is the greatest miracle there is on earth. And sometimes you bring a physical healing and sometimes you don't. But in every situation, you're a good God. In every situation, you can do miracles. In every situation, you are in control. And I have no answers and wisdom to give Anthony and his kids as they process this pain. But I know you're with them. And I know you're a good God. And that's honestly me doing my best to worship in truth. I don't know, God. But I know you're good. And I know that you came to seek and save me to do this. To worship you for who you are above what you've done. You're a good God. You're a good God. And from my heart, I know that you're a good God. So I'm going to worship you this morning. And then you just give it all to Him. And then you lift your hands. Intimacy and reverence. And I say, well, it'd be pretty foolish of me to demand that I understand your ways that are higher than my ways. And I need answers for your thoughts that are higher than my thoughts. So I'm going to have enough reverence to trust you but I need you right now in intimacy. I need you. Lord, help us to be worshippers in spirit and truth. Lord, help us to worship in spirit and truth. God, I pray every single thing we do for you and your glory for the rest of our days would be from a place of being a worshipper. In Jesus' name, amen. If you're here this morning and you walked in and you, you don't think you had a personal one-on-one relationship with Jesus Christ, and this morning as we've been preaching about a heavenly Father that's actively looking for relationship, something went off in your heart, please come and see me after. I'd love to pray with you. I'd love to pray with you. It's the greatest thing I ever get to do. Can we stand to our feet? We're going to worship in spirit and truth.
begging me to leave all that I've known. Oh, 
desires for you All of heaven adores you And I've tasted it and I've seen that you are God Your kingdom's forever Your throne lasts forever And forever I will sing that you are God My desire is for you All of heaven adores you And I've tasted and I've seen that you are God Your kingdom's forever Your throne lasts forever And forever I will sing that you are God My desire is for you All of heaven adores you tasted and I've seen that you are God. Your kingdom's forever. Your throne lasts forever. And forever I will sing that you are God. My desire is for you. All of heaven adores you. Tasted and I've seen that you are God. Your kingdom's forever. Your throne lasts forever. And forever I will sing that you are
Let's not rush out of this moment right now. If you feel comfortable, I'd encourage you just raise your hands. It is an is an outward expression of an inward decision of I surrender. And the Father is looking for those who worship in spirit and truth. It's hey, I surrender, Lord. The truth is I can't figure it out myself. I need you, Lord. I surrender. I surrender to you. everyone just surrenders to you God I pray that you just fill them with revelation right now of your of your grace towards them of your love towards them but also the revelation of you are a reverent God deserving to be feared we're unafraid of you yet we still have a fear of you Lord because you, you are the most sovereign being of the universe that holds salvation in your, our salvation in your hands, Lord. So Lord, we just bring us back to you. Just bring us to be in you, Lord. Bring us back to you, God. We surrender. We can't come to you in our own strength. Bring us back to you, Lord. Jesus. Lord, I just pray for every single person here this morning that they leave here knowing that worship isn't a thing that they do, but them being a worshiper is who you've made them to be. And Lord, that as we leave this auditorium this morning, God, I pray that we continue to worship you in both spirit and in truth, that we don't limit you to this moment right now. But in every moment of our lives, Lord, we worship You in spirit and in truth. We worship You with intimacy and we worship You, worship you with reverence of who You are, Lord. So Lord, I pray that we don't limit it to this moment right now, but we continue our lives for the rest of this for the rest of this week, Lord, for the rest of our lives, just worshiping You in spirit and truth because You are a jealous God and you are deserving of all our worship. So Lord, we give you praise and honour and glory this morning, God, because you are deserving of our worship. Thank you, Jesus. In your mighty name, we all pray. All God's people said, Amen. Can we just give Pastor Dan a round of applause for such an incredible message this morning? and give a much greater round of applause for God for giving that message through Him to us. I love that. He's, not, he's, wanting, he's looking to make us worshippers. It's all God that gives all the praise and all the glory for us to become to this moment and giving Him that praise and the glory. Thank you so much for joining us this morning.
like I said earlier, right now, we're going to have some baptisms. So please don't rush off. Remain. Uh, it's going to happen just outside of the church in, under that foyer there. Um, it's going to be a moment of celebrating of what God is doing in these people's lives. So please join us. Uh, and those other few announcements, uh, worship night tonight. Let's worship in spirit and truth tonight. As a worship and prayer and worship this Wednesday night, believing for people to come on Easter service and worship Jesus Christ. So let's so worship night tonight, worship on Wednesday night and Easter services next week. Uh, God bless church. Hope to see you out the front very soon. Thank you.